Welcome everybody to Kingdom Talks. I've got Luke Agee with me and we're going to get into some very interesting conversation as you can see above uh, right after this. Welcome to Kingdom Talks. We engage with leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations to awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, KingdomTalksMedia.com. You can help us get the word out by liking, subscribing, and sharing with your friends. Now, enjoy the conversation. All right, welcome everybody. I've got Luke Agee with me. And uh, as you can see, as I said before, reptilian seed and God scenario. What does all that mean? Well, before we get into all that, I have not had a chance to get to know Luke very well. We've uh, actually done a lot of this, you know, kind of crossing paths. And uh, you've been on our Sundays uh, occasionally here and there. And I really appreciated that. But now's the, the opportunity where I finally get to sit down and talk with you and get to know you in front of a few hundred people, maybe a few thousand. Let's see. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background. How'd you get to where you're at today? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, honor, privilege to be here. Looking forward to chatting with you. Um, been looking forward to it for a while. Yeah. And all those, uh, crossfires, um, and, uh, shout out to Karen Brett real quick. She's a fantastic person who kind of, uh, handshakes all of this, uh, here and there with connections She's done and, great. uh, yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. Um, so, you know, my life has always been um, somebody where I've been the deep unto the deep. The scripture where it says deep unto the deep. I've all, it calls unto the deep. I've always been that person. Um, I've been rebellious here and there throughout my life. It's part of my testimony. Um, I've dealt with a lot of things as many others have, but there was always this drawing deep within uh, to seek out Yahweh, to seek out the Lord and knowing that there was just more um, <clears throat> than what seems to be given at face value. Um, and it, it was always to me that there was deeper levels to everything. And so I've always been an excavator. I've always been a spelunker That's of good. the word of the scriptures. And uh, so I've always just jumped in and said, well, if this is like this and how does this end up like this and how did that get to this and why does this scripture connect to that? And so, um, that's, that's where, why I'm at the place I am now where, uh, you know, I, I kind of just decided I wasn't going to let anybody else just tell me uh, how to believe it was going to be, I was going to let Holy spirit tell me what to believe and show me where all the information is and how to understand it and realize that it's all inside of my own DNA anyway that I share with Christ. So it was like, you know, let's go for it. And uh, so I've just been doing that now pretty solidly um, for close to 12, 13 years. So that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. <clears throat> Now, have you been doing this full time or is this something that you do in your spare time? Uh, how's that work for you? Well, you know, to be honest with you, uh, to answer that question, it's basically just been spare time. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I dabble in the ministry now. I got ordained last year and uh, I am pursuing some avenues to really speak on it. And, you know, it's really about that uh, preparation time. Um, I guess that's really for sure where I have been for many years now, but it was always just, um, 
you know, on my alone time. Uh, when I first got awakened to some deeper truths many years ago, it was right after some bad relationships and got out of some addictions and the Lord set me free from alcoholism in a night, in an instant as part of my testimony. And uh, I, my life became to eat, sleep, breathe, engagement with the word and with Yahweh. If I was not working, I had no cable. I had no satellite. I had an old original PlayStation. And uh, every now and again, I'd rent a movie from Blockbuster, if anybody can remember those guys. And, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would play a video game or two here or there in my spare time. But for the most part, I just jumped into uh, without even really knowing um what that even really was it was i guess the root in the heart of what we would call mysticism i just wanted to entangle with papa every day all day and read scriptures and i would ask him what's on his heart what's going on in the world and you know at first i thought it was just a prophetic type anointing you know seeking for answers of titles of you know am i an evangelical prophet am i a, you know who am i kind of thing and it was you know the answer is always just you're you're a son you're my son you're you're the beloved and uh just entered into days of hours upon end where i would lose time and uh, have experiences and visions and, and interact with the angelic and um it was it was a shifting season without a doubt and from there i just started to build and expand and then i've walked through different kind of seasons from then but um it's it's kind of becoming both now but it's always just kind of been my life's pursuit yeah now you had said when we were uh, kind of offline um that uh you know your background's been kind of rough and and some of that do you feel like this engagement in the heavens has been what's maybe transformed you more than anything else or or what what's what's really been the major transformation for you oh absolutely without a doubt it would be from that yeah um i grew up in church but there was nothing too much about it that was really sticking to me you know it was like bouncing off of me like rubber in the church system you know and um it was 100 percent when it became reality for me you know without getting too deep into too much it was one day basically sitting with yahweh and saying i either need you to take me right now or prove to me that you're real and i'm not saying that's the way everybody needs to get their answers <laughs> i'm not advocating <laughs> that um, but i I had debated suicide like 100% realistically a few different times at that point in my life. Um, and I always, like I said, I always knew it was real, even when I was walking through, you know, quote unquote, the, the roughest or darkest times. But it was 100% when all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. I'll never forget the very, very first thing he ever spoke to me was Romans 8.1. And I, I was like, Romans 8, 1, I had no idea what it said, you know, but it was just, I heard it so clearly. It wasn't the audible voice, but it was the, in, the inside soft voice. And I heard that and immediately, whew, I'm already starting to get whacked. I'm sorry, Gil. I'm not, I'm a heavy drinker and a light drinker at the same time. I'm an easy drunker, so you're going to have to excuse me. But, um, <laughs> but of course, Romans 8, whew, I'm really sorry. Uh, but of course, Romans 8, 1 and 2 say there's therefore no longer any guilt or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of the spirit of death, the law of death. And uh, I honestly at the moment didn't know what to do with it at first. I just knew that it, when I read it, I kind of got like this, but worse and just started bawling. 
and then it kind of dawned on me that I was like, this is the, the God that I've been believing in telling me to get out of guilt and condemnation and that he has delivered me from it. And it just, it began the relationship or really kind of the first time that it was alive to me per se from that moment on. So yeah, without a doubt that, that, that was the biggest reason for any transformation in my life. Cause there was nothing else that was really doing it other than I can't, not give credit to my parents for praying over me without a doubt but <laughs> for me it was 100 when he, when i came smack face to face with the reality of interacting with father so yeah yeah well and then you know and i said that i i got a feeling just from a, the few comments that i'd heard from you that you know we would have some things in common and um uh i you know i've shared my testimony quite a few times but just living in depression all my life, suicidal a lot of different times, uh, hating yeah. myself, hating, you know, life in general for the most part, um, putting on this facade that was just wearing me down energy-wise, you know, have to put on this facade yeah. of a happy face and all that. I just hated it. Um, but it wasn't until engaging in the heavens that everything began to change, and it began to change for, you know, the good, you know, for permanent. Um and I'd been to, you know, psychiatrists, I'd been on medications, I'd been in every type of uh, Christian counseling you could imagine, and <laughs> yeah. it all helped to some degree, but sure. none of it sealed the deal, so to speak, until just began engaging with Father in person, in the heavens, and uh, just an incredible experience that has changed my life. And we've been teaching people how to do it, and it changes people's lives, so we know it's real. Yes, yes, yeah. you shall know the truth, and the truth will, shed, will shall set you free. Is really so so true on a practical yeah. level, without a doubt. You know, the truth is a person, and so yeah, it shifts everything. I, yeah, I went to the. Uh, they tried the psychiatrists. They tried the school doctors. They tried you know medication. I tried Zoloft for a few days, and I was too artistic, and I didn't like how it affected me. <laughs> you know, all these different things. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, okay, so we got a little bit of the background. We got a little bit of your story and, and how you started, you know, engaging with Father and, and all of heaven. Um, tell me, how in the world did you come up with the reptilian seed and God's scenario? What what gave you this revelation and, and what is it? Well, so it, it's in a nutshell, I kind of will give the answer and then backtrack a little bit. So, All right. you know, in, in scripture, Jesus literally says to the Pharisees and Sadducees, you are a den of vipers, you are sons of Satan. <laughs> and then also in first John three, you have where it talks about those whose father was Satan. It talks about specifically Cain. It says Cain, who's fathered by the wicked one. Some translations say Satan. Some literal translations actually talk about serpentine background. Um, and then you start getting into looking at the whole scenario with Genesis 2 and 3. And uh, it just all of a sudden starts to expand into something that we really had held back from us. Um, so, you know, why would Jesus say that to those people? And then he, he, why would that be real somewhere along the way if Jesus is going to say that? So then that's the kind of thought patterns that I have when I start digging into these things. And then, to be honest with you, I had uh, a confirmation before I even really realized I was studying that out too hard uh, that William Branham actually used to 
teach on that. And it really caused him to be outcasted pretty hard as well um, for teaching that. But when you actually go in and take a look at it, if Cain was fathered by the wicked one, that must not be Adam because we, we don't see Jesus ever once acknowledging Adam being the wicked one. We don't see John saying that that would be Adam. We don't really see Adam being called wicked by anybody. Now, there's a lot of, I believe, misplaced hate and blame laid upon Adam. That's a whole other conversation. But, um, you know, he died for his wife, just like Jesus did. And that's as far as I'll go into it right at the moment. But the whole point of that is to answer your question is that's where I started digging into it and trying to understand what came about. Well, then you start to see that actually when it talked about uh, Adam laying with his wife, it talked about her having two children, but it only references them being in any kind of engagement with copulation one time. And that's where all I can say is Holy Spirit was the one who started getting me to understand that there was a birthing that took place there that is something in scientific terms known as twinning. So an actual scientific medicine knowledge there is a reference to something known as twinning where a woman can become pregnant by two different men within a short period of time and actually give birth to twins and it actually be where they are twins mm. to each other but their dna is from different fathers wow yeah so <laughs> then all of a sudden you start realizing yeah yeah and then you go to the book of jude this is where you know because in the beginning this was just like I don't think I should touch this, but I really feel drawn to it. Um, but then in the book of Jude, it actually talks about Enoch and it says the seventh from Adam. Well, we have a problem if we do the genealogy, and this is where you can study out Matthew 4 and 5 from the genealogy as well. But if you take the book of Jude saying Enoch is seven from Adam, well, then you have eight from Adam if you include Cain. If you do not include Cain, then you have Enoch being the seventh. But if you include them both, all of a sudden you have Enoch is eight. So wait a minute, somebody's math is either wrong or they are purposefully acknowledging that there is one that does, is not included in the bloodline. Hmm. Hmm. So, <laughs> so that's where all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Now, it, once again, in scientific terms, there is actually where, because I believe they're, you know, not to get conspiracy or whatever, I guess it's too late for that. Um, to... <laughs> To talk about different things that are definitely on the outskirts is that um, there seems to be a lot of this knowledge amongst a lot of people outside of the Christian realm, because science even has the, the a title for the brain whenever there's fight or flight responses within a person, they actually call that the reptilian brain. Hmm. And so, yeah, it's you know it gets it gets very very interesting. Now I've seen some people talk about where. Um, being fathered by another father um, is actually talking about so that there's not an actual intercourse that takes place. And so I'm on board with that. But at the same time, what I have to disagree with is they sometimes then say there's not actual fruit that comes forth. It's just in the, in the thought processes, you know, being fathered by another would be like if I'm talking and I'm like, I think Gil's a great person. And then somebody tries to come along and say, you know, actually Gil's this and tries to plant a seed in me about you. They're saying, well, that's like being fathered by somebody else. If you let that seed of doubt or, you know, hate or whatever come forth. But yeah, at the same time, 
I think it can be both, but at the I think it's more literally along the lines of not a sexual act as we think now between a husband and wife bearing children, but the same idea of when Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and then Jesus literally came forth as a seed from the womb. That's what I believe took place in Genesis 3 is that when she ate of the tree, which I believe we don't have to explain it wasn't a tree growing you know literally a tree growing with branches and fruit coming off of it one side of it says good and the other says evil and they're like looking at the fruit going maybe if i just eat the good side no 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 this is <laughs> this is way beyond that um but i believe that there was an overshadowing that took place with eve that would have actually caused there to be um an actual seed planted that would cause her to now be pregnant with an actual offspring and then adam comes along because it talks about in timothy it says the man was not deceived the woman was deceived and i'm not getting into language blame or any of that kind of nonsense i'm just quoting scripture but then adam willingly ate it so there was something that took place where she now said husband engage with me and husband engaged with her and now all of a sudden she has two children come forth so I can pause there for a minute if you want or keep going or whatever. Well, you know, obviously for a lot of our listeners, this is, you know, well, I should say probably a good portion of our listeners are like following with you right right, right along, you know, understanding. And then there's probably another portion that are like, what the heck is all this stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> let, let me ask you this question because I'm... I'm always one that I, I, I want to know, how is this relevant to me today? Uh, how does it affect my life today? What's, what's the, the relevance to it? Well, the relevance to it is, is that, to me, is the fullness of anything that was once considered corruptible within your very DNA. Anything within your bloodline that Jesus had to literally come to the earth for was so that your DNA could be restored to perfection to purity, to their not being, you know, as 1 Corinthians 15, that has got to be, to me, I know obviously everybody has their own opinion, but 1 Corinthians 15 to me has got to be one of the meatiest of the meatiest chapters in the whole entire Bible, because I quote and reference from 1 Corinthians 15 all the time on so many different subjects that it's like Paul just unleashes in that chapter. He's like, here's a bunch of death, just take it. But um, it has to do with your blood. It has to do with DNA. It's always been about the seed line. In Genesis 3, that's why he says, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. Notice it doesn't say between Adam's seed. It's he's God, Yahweh, Elohim, says to the serpent, I'm going to put enmity between your bloodline and her bloodline. So there is all about the blood. It's all about the blood. Always has been, um, always will be. Basically, now it's a done deal. As far as that goes, Jesus accomplished it. But the point is, is that the biggest reason for the cross, and there's many, was to restore humanity back to a purified bloodline that no longer had reptilian DNA, that no longer had any bloodline that was altered from the Benai Elohim, where they created Nephilim and Raphaim and all these other hybrids. So, you know, it's, it's funny because people accept scripture that talk about Nephilim and Raphaim and the giants and things like that. But then all of a sudden you cross over into reptilian. And it's like that word triggers. And I got to be honest with you, I fully believe it's because that word 
word triggers so many people within their DNA. I heard Ian Clayton say something one time where he said, if people are still afraid of looking at alien entities like the tall grays, small grays, and beings like that, it's because somebody along their bloodline had an interaction and freed from. And that struck me so powerfully because I realized I was like, this is why other people can be triggered by other things as well, is because there's been some false covenants cut on wicked altars that have to do with this bloodline connection. Yeah, I you know I, I I can definitely see that there's a lot of stuff that's gone on in our bloodlines that has recorded into our DNA, which carries into us today, and then uh, we're left to deal with it or not. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, those are some choices we have to make. I I want to talk a little bit more about um you know where you know, you've already said it, but I want to I I want to dig a little bit more on where did the reptilian seed even come from? Because I know you spent a sure. lot of time just talking about that, but I want to go a little bit. Uh, deeper on that and we'll do that right after this break so stay tuned hey there thank you for joining kingdom talks we want to take a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called ultimate impact Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups around the world are using this course to shift into kingdom age thinking. If you're ready to step into what Father is doing now then this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Online Classes tab. Now, back to the show. (laughs) Hey, we're back. It was a sudden ending. (laughs) Hey, that uh, that was pretty funny. Um, Anyway, I won't even go into it. We'll skip that part. (laughs) Come right back down into uh, the reptilian seed. Where did it come from? What what are you talking about there? Uh, If you... in your simplest, most concise way of saying it, where did it come from? Gil, a lot of times my simplest, <clears throat> shortest way of answering things are several sentences. <clears throat> I'm sorry for that. <laughs> uh, well, it's very hard sometimes with the depth of some of these topics, you know, to, to keep it concise. Because we'll do in an hour interview, it'll go by and it'll be like it felt like five minutes. But to be honest with you, so serpent automatically people think of snake, okay? But really, the actual wording there is seraph, which actually comes from the word seraphim. It's actually the root word for seraphim, which is actually just an angelic class of being. And so seraphim there is actually because when you really get into looking at all the things that went on there in the garden, you realize that Eve was not uncomfortable interacting with this being. And we get the fairy tale children's books that show a snake coiled around a branch, you know, and things like that. And it it is not about that. It's about a being that was allowed to exist in the garden, that was allowed to freely be there. And Eve being able, and Adam being able to interact with this being. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what we have is actually a seraphim seat. But a lot of times people are, it's going to get the same reaction. So you might as well just call it reptilian seed. But it's its basically a seraphim seed. It's no different than Genesis 6. Well, and I guess part of it would be due to language that the church has taught us. Because the, yes. the language that the church has taught us and what we see in the Bible is that the angels came down and they intermixed with women. And so that can kind of maybe help us when we hear seraphim, understanding that it's an, you know another yes. angelic form. Um, and so that might be easier, but then again, if people have been in this movement long enough, then they've heard the reptilian thing over and over and over. Um, and, and I, you know, I have my own understanding of it and I, I think you just kind of 
um, you know, shared that same thought. But yeah, it does it does call it a snake? Um, and but before he was a snake slithering on the ground, he had he was you know beautiful. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. we don't know a hundred percent, but um, it's believed that you know this was a beautiful creature, and you would think so, a seraphim. You know mm-hmm. that that it was it was a wonderful you know creature to engage with probably but obviously deceptive and yeah. then and then it, it slithers away at the end because it uh you know said you're gonna eat the dust of the ground so we don't know exactly what what all that means but um that being the case then it would be reptilian and it began that uh, whole process so anyway good good stuff um yeah, I, it, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that you're 100% right. That's where whenever I have a lot of time to unpack this on different <clears throat> occasions, it always has to do with being able to wrap it around to what's been accepted within church language, which is Genesis 6, which is where, yeah. you know, it just, it, it, and it actually, most translations aren't, it doesn't say angels anyway, <clears throat> but we've been told that. And a lot of occasions, mm-hmm. it actually is referenced to a word Elohim, which is the rest of that title, wherever okay, it is or wasn't, you know, that God <laughs> yeah. scenario, the segue there. I don't know if uh, I just stole your segue, but, um, you know, Genesis 6 and Genesis 3 are the same pattern. <clears throat> They're the same blueprint. They're the same idea that took place there. And I, and I believe Genesis 6 happened because Genesis 3, they, they, you know, the rest of the watchers, according to the book of Enoch, according to the Bible, the Bene Elohim, or the sons of God, uh, saw the pattern that took place in the garden from Genesis 3 and just followed suit with that. And so then we have all this DNA. You know, there's literally a scripture in Genesis 6 that gets passed over. By, by so many people when, you know, never taught on, you know, but those are the things that I hunger for. And it says all flesh became corrupt. Mm-hmm. And so we have an issue that goes back to what you asked me earlier about why is this relevant? Well, because our DNA from our forefathers pre-Christ were part of all flesh became corrupt. There were some that were excluded according to grace. There were some that were excluded according to they didn't dabble in those things. You know, Noah, for one, with the flood, of course, it said that he was perfect in his generations, which means generations. There is a Jewish understanding of bloodline. Mm -hmm. So why was there a battle for the sea? Why was there a battle for the bloodline? Because Yahweh was going to come forth in flesh as Jesus. So there was a war over the DNA from Genesis 3 on and previous to that i believe but scripturally from genesis 3 on that had everything to do with corrupting defiling an avenue where there was going to be the son of god the most high god born as flesh so with the segue well i'll let you add anything if you want and we can no you're you're doing good i mean i was (laughs) i was looking for the the segue at some point and uh you did it wonderfully so keep going <laughs> well I, I studied i studied chris carter stealing segways on this show so that that that, that taught me what i needed to do there no i'm totally joking um but uh yeah so in genesis 6 and honestly what we have this is where a lot of times um i cross a point where most people just decide they're done but <clears throat> we have a, a all right scenario. so disclaimer there we go yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all children, get all the children out of the room. Um, is that we have some 
breakdown in scriptures that give us reason to know why there is a God known as the Most High God. And there is scripture, Psalms 81, we have um, Deuteronomy 32.8, we have many scriptures that are talking about where it says gods with a small g. Right. Uh-oh. And then we have sons of God. Uh, yeah. The Benai Elohim that are mentioned in Genesis 6 is actually a reference to literal children, sons of gods. The Elohim means a divine council, a divine class, uh, a race, once again, of a higher being class than the angels uh, at one point, known as Elohim. <clears throat> and that's where we have, man, I did not have to start clearing my throat until we started engaging. Imagine that. And, uh, you know, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why when you go and study out Deuteronomy, the very first commandment that is given to Moses is, you shall not have any other gods before me. Why is that? Because there's one, according to scripture, if you, you know, you can find this all in the scripture, all over the place, literally just study the book of Deuteronomy about all these things in the book of Genesis, but you'll find that they were actually engaging with other gods, other Elohim and their children, the Benai Elohim. And um, <clears throat> that is why, why is that important also? Well, because once again, Jesus became the perfect image of the father. There were, there were none other, according to scripture, that could say they were the perfect image of the father. There was some reason they fell short of that for some particular reason. So the Elohim matter, because a lot of things that are being done in our world, uh, 100% still today, and we read about all the scripture and act like that has no relevance to today, but it 100% does worshiping other gods like Molech, worshiping other gods like Astaroth, worship, worshiping other gods like Jupiter and Saturn, Venus, you know, the same ones that are named after the planets, all come from this reality that there were Elohim and their children that were trying to take over the world. And at one point, that's why Deuteronomy 32.8 is so important. It actually says that the Most High God, El Elyon, actually gave the people over to borders and territories according to the sons of God, the, the Benai Elohim. Now that gets really wild when you start to think about that. But the reason why so many people pull out on me on that is that that means that there was a collective working divine council that were actually the ones doing all the creation seen in Genesis 1. Not just the Trinity, not just the Father. There was actually the Elohim saying let us whoa 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 wait a minute that actually sounds like they're asking permission for something to be accomplished now wait brother luke it says that all things were made through christ yeah absolutely because christ is the light christ is the the anointing of the father christ literally means the anointing smear the anointing it actually means the light the light all things come forth there can be nothing that exists without christ but they were asking let us so where I think they fell short is they were all working together as a divine council with the Father until they said, let us make man in our own image. And then I personally believe, I can't, yeah, I personally believe that's where they all of a sudden made a mistake, but they were allowed to do it. <clears throat> Why is that so important? Because now all of a sudden you cross over to Genesis 2 and you have one specific Elohim. You have Yahweh Elohim. That is now creating. He's the one that steps into, breathes together in the same breath and oxygen, the same DNA with Adam. 
there's all other creation of man there's all other creation of the earth there's all this other creation but it says specifically that yahweh elohim formed adam of the dust of the earth oh wait a minute they were all created in genesis 1 but formed in genesis 2 there was a sense of intimacy there was a sense of truly putting this all together and it's very interesting because it was from the dust of the earth, which we just discussed a minute ago, is what the punishment for the serpent became. You will now feast upon the dust. And it actually says the punishment for Adam was you will now return to the dust from which I took you. Oh, man. Can you imagine you were taken from that, became one with Yahweh? And all of a sudden he says, now you're going to have to return to the dust that I took you from. Oh, my gosh. But. You know, I could just keep rambling. There's so much information. No, keep you know, going. To cram I, together. <laughs> I've got, I've got, you know, a lot of questions. Um, and the thing is, you know, one of the things that we we like to do is is allow for positions to be expressed. It does not mean that we, you know, we agree with them. It does not mean that we, uh, you know, stand on them or with them. Um, and you're you're expressing a. a um, a, a stand or a position that you know I've I've heard variations of this and what it does for me and what I try to encourage everyone to do is is learn to hold everything loosely don't throw it out you know be able to listen without being offended because if you get offended your walls go up your defenses come out you don't really hear anything else that's said and you may miss something that father's actually wanting to impart to you um, so as you're listening right now, just, uh, hold it loosely. Don't have to agree with it. And, uh, and, and just, uh, you know, listen to see if there's anything that father says, now that's something you might want to pay attention to, because I'll just say, you know, I can't tell you how many times, uh, in this movement that something I've heard clashed with my belief system, clashed with my theology, and I, you know, if I had to go on my theology, it would be a hard no. <laughs> yeah. But yet something inside of me, my spirit was just resonating with. It. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something here. This is interesting. Let's let's pursue this a little bit. And I'm actually getting a little bit of that with what you're saying. I'm I'm curious to hear, you know, your further explanation of all this. Um, and again, doesn't mean that I would agree with it or anybody else would have to, but it's bringing some uh, revelation that you've received and, and, uh, and that, that to me is worth hearing so that I can see what else is in there. And it doesn't mean it's wrong. doesn't mean it's right, but it's interesting way of looking at things. And, uh, I think there's room for it. I'll say it that way because you're, you're sharing scripture and you're sharing your understanding and interpretation of those scriptures. So yeah. there's potentially room for it and i just say you know don't freak out just listen and uh yeah. i want to hear more so go ahead well i feel like you have to explain that quite a bit now these days and you're and you're walking through this season <laughs> of, uh, of uh saying we're moving into kingdom realms you know we're, we're going a lot deeper um yeah 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 you know um jesus said in, in matthew he said does not your scriptures say ye are gods so you know, yeah, even yeah. Jesus quotes it, and he's actually referencing Psalm 82, mm -hmm. where in Psalm 82, it talks about uh, El stands in the midst of Elohim, and he judges. And he actually says, you know, Elohim judge righteously. It basically, all of Psalm 82 is him scolding the Elohim, saying, why are you allowing wickedness and unrighteousness to happen and take place in what I've given you? 
And then we, it's a whole other topic we can leave alone. But at the end of it, he says, you are gods, but you're going to die like men. And so then all of a sudden we have a whole new understanding of things that um, I won't even bring up the fact that they still walk around in the flesh right now. I won't even bring up the fact that that all that. Well, you brought it up. So now you got to go there. You already brought it up. I didn't need to. No, that was not what was supposed to happen. (laughs) Well, um, we've got, I think we've got plenty of time. We got uh, like 25 minutes. Um, We're going to take another break here in about five minutes, but, um, but yeah, I, you, you've got my interest and I'm not not offended because uh, I've you know that's the thing. If we could all just understand who we are in Christ, and have our identity firmly rooted in Him and Him alone, then I won't get offended when I hear a different point of view. It's just something interesting, yeah. and there may very well be some uh, good truth in there that I have missed before. But when I get offended, like I said, the the walls go up and I don't hear anything anymore. So That's getting true. to a place where we're unoffendable in Christ because we have our identity in him and nothing else. I, I was just sharing this yesterday. Well, actually, this is going to air Monday, so I shared it last Tuesday. But, um, you know, too often we have our identity based in what we think we know, our belief system, mm-hmm. what the church has taught us in many cases. And mm-hmm. when someone comes along and starts to pull that out from underneath of us, man, we get fired up. Because yep. you're pulling, you're you're yanking my identity. You're 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 yanking on that, and that's uncomfortable. But when my identity is only in Christ and Him alone, you can yank on those things all you want. And you know, if you think you want to pull those out, you can pull them out as much as you want. My identity is yeah. in Him; it's not in that. So you go that's for right. it. <laughs> that's right. It's like that whole phrase, you know. It says they've got their house built in a way where if you take one brick, the whole thing crumbles. Yeah, And, you know, to me, that's the same idea with building your house on sinking sand or upon the rock. So it's exactly what you're saying. Sand is the same thing as dirt. It's like if I'm building it all off of this understanding of this is who I am and my identity is outside of Christ somehow, then it's all sinking sand. Because at any point yeah. it could just crumble enough, enough wind, enough water, you know, but if right. it's on the rock, like <clears throat> you just said, it, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, like, I mean. You know, I'm I'm so readily accepted everywhere I go, as you can imagine. So you know, I've just <laughs> I've just learned to uh, no, no, not not really, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, that's not my identity though. You know. Well, yeah, exactly, and and that's that's the good thing is that uh, you can allow people to tear down what you have come to understand, and it doesn't affect you personally. Uh, because your identity is in him, not in what you believe. It's not attached to your belief system. Um, you know what? I want to take a break right now. It's a little early, but we'll, we'll take it now. It's only going to be about 30 seconds here. Um, and, and we'll be right back. And I want to talk about where are the, you say they're walking in the flesh right now. I want to know, and I'm sure there's others asking, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. All right, we'll be back yeah. right after this. Wow. With so many awesome ways to grow in the transformation of your body, soul, and spirit, reconnecting with God, the heavens, and yourself through breathing? Let's get started. You can find Adina's Emerging Core series on breathing transformation at kingdomtalksmedia.com. Why wait? Yep. (laughs) All right. So... Uh, before we jump into this, uh, where they're where they're walking around in the flesh, um, 
you were sharing something just while we were on the break. I want to I want to hear the the end of that. Uh, go ahead and sure. explain it so everybody else can hear it too. The 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 Matrix scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, the the, the Matrix. Everything Christopher Nolan seems to come from this great depth of wisdom beyond. But um, yeah, I love whenever he's talking and they're arguing with him about his belief in Neo. And uh, they say, what if we don't believe the way you do? He says, the good thing is what I do believe doesn't require you to have to believe the same as me. <laughs> that is, you know what? I, I totally <laughs> forgot about that scene. And I've been lately, uh, well, I just wrote it. Um, no, actually, I wrote it several years ago because I was in, in my journal and I was just writing. And um, uh, Father just brought it to my awareness that I have more faith at that time. I was having more faith in my faith than mm -hmm. in him because you know i'm like the, the fact is you know uh, we can have a good day and our faith is great we can have a bad right. day and our faith kind of is in the bottom um That's right. if we have our faith in our faith then we're going to be up the creek but when we understand that what jesus did before the foundation of the earth yeah and he separated those our sins from us as far as the east is from the west um yeah. It's done. I cannot undo it. My lack of faith is not going to undo what he's already done. So get over so it. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so good. It's like uh, there's one translation of the scriptures. Uh, Justin Paul Abraham loves to quote this so much, and that's where I even realized there was a translation that said it. But it says, uh, I can't remember even where it's at, but Paul says, uh, you've been condemned to this glorious gospel, basically saying you have no choice. Yeah. You know, and it sounds weird, the wording, because you're like, condemned, but then you really realize what it's saying. You're like, that is awesome. awesome. Like, I, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't change it if I tried, you know? Yep. Yep. And that, and that's the thing is, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you're a believer in restoration of all things, but I, it was, an, it was another one of those things that, that I collided yeah. with. I was like, no way. But then as I kept studying and looking into it, it's like, you know what? God's got a plan. It's all over in scripture. It's all over. Yep. And yep. He's he's taken us someplace, kind of whether we like it or not. And, That's right. But the thing is, it's a good place, so I'm willing. Let's go. Yeah. Well, when when did you choose Adam to do with Adam? Say that again. When did you choose for even Adam to do with David? To be. When when did you choose for Eve and Adam to do what they did? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, when, when did you choose Jesus to come to the cross? Right. Right. I mean, those are the things that, like, I fully agree with everything you're talking about because, you know, even Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he's made all things beautiful in its time. So yeah. all things means all things, right? And restoration yeah. of all things means all things. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had, a, you know, the behind-the-scenes part that I did with uh, um, Truth Seeker uh, just mm. last week. And uh, even in our conversation, he was saying some things, and I'm like, holy cow, wait a minute. That's another paradigm shift that makes sense, yeah. but I got to get my brain wrapped around it, and I'm going to have to spend some time with Father in the heavens to to uh, actually sort it out. But um, yeah. I'm like, man, well, hmm. if he is the beginning and the end, then that means the end is the same thing as the beginning, which means the beginning is the same thing as the end, which means the beginning. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah. it's the same thing. The end and the beginning are one, and it's it's a person. So. When all things were created before time ever began, it was created in Christ. So where does it say we are now? Where it says we're in Christ. We've been yes. restored back to in Christ. And so, yeah, it's 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 100 percent. So, you know, father does not Excuse me. create or make. Yeah, bless you. There. Um, 
father does not create or make anything. It says he sees the end from the beginning. So he's yeah, not going yeah. to establish anything. He's not going to make anything. He's not going to create anything without understanding the end as only the way the omnipotent one can, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. okay. Well, let's not disappoint everybody. Where are these things yeah. walking around? <laughs> well, uh, so in, I can't tell you exactly like a person's name, <laughs> who it is, but, uh, oh, uh, names you know, and addresses. And yeah, phone yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I gave you one earlier as a joke, but honestly, there probably is some reality in some of that with some of these. I mean, you know, I, I, I'll go out there and say what everybody else says, probably the bloodlines of the Rockefellers, probably the bloodlines of the Rothschilds, you know, different people like that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, being, you know, that's what everybody automatically assumes. I don't know. Um, I have studied some of that and I'm going to be honest, you know, if I was going to go on record and say gun to head, I would say there's a very good chance to definitely have some different type, uh, you know, bloodline without a doubt. And that goes into some things that I know, you know, that your wife uh, has a real heart for as well with some of the things with children and all that. And we leave all yeah. that alone. But um, so the example that I have for that is that Ezekiel 28, it's not the only example, but it's it's the most clear one for people to really kind of dig their teeth into and get a get a grounding in it, is in Ezekiel 28, he, it says that he is addressing the king and then the prince of Tyre, but he actually starts addressing mm -hmm. somebody living in that dirt suit, in that body, yeah. saying you were amongst the fiery stones, you walked in the garden of God. You were one that existed before. You were the overshadowing perfected one. If I can be honest with you, my personal opinion, I believe that was actually the very serpent being addressed in that moment by Ezekiel. It was the same one, the covering cherub. Because the cherub and the covering, the overshadowing, all of it goes hand in hand. It's an angelic class. It's a, you know an existence there. Um, but anyway, that he's talking to him and he says, you say that you are a God. And he basically once again says the same thing that David quotes from out of the heavens from Psalm 82 directly to the king and to the prince of Tyre both. And he says, you say that you are a God, but you're going to die like a man. So basically he's telling him, I see who you are on the inside, but don't think that because you are like that, you're going to be able to remain as a God, you're going to experience death. You're going to experience the, the torment that you put upon, I believe, to get back to what we were talking about earlier, upon some of the creation, some things that you made by the works of your very own hands. You're going to experience that torment. You're going to experience that, that you created, that defilement of the DNA. You're going to experience it. You're going to you know, have to take your own medicine, if you will, eat of your own fruit, lay in your own bed that you made, those kinds of things. And so we see that, that he is actually talking, but he's talking beyond. And then you can go to Pharaoh, Pharaoh and Moses. You know, the Pharaohs fully believed that they were of a race of gods. You can get into Egyptian history yeah. and just read, and they'll all tell you they all believe that they came from a race of gods, that they were of, you know, alien background or God background, different variations depending on what you read, but that they come from a higher place which is why they always felt like they were the ones to rule. And then their next generation in line would be the rulers and, and so forth is because they really believed. And so therefore there's probably reason for them to believe that, that they came from a place of where they had a God, small G beginning or a Benayalo beginning. And then you can even get into some mythological lore with the talks of demigods and 
some of this is not just people writing stories. This is mm -hmm. true Ethiopic history. This is true Greek history. When you go back so far, you get into where people are actually recording what to them is history. It's the same as us saying, well, this is our American history, or this is our world history, or this is biblical history. For them, they were literally writing about these, you know, centaurs and minotaurs and Zeus and Poseidon and talking about these demigods that had offspring, you know? So it's like, do we just cast that out because somebody told us to? Just like, you know, many mainstream circles say, cast out Enoch, cast out Jubilees, cast out Maccabees, cast out all these other books and writings. Right, right. Okay, well, <laughs> canonize, I'm, you know, <laughs> as Chris Blackaby says, who I highly respect, I'm not saying it's the Bible, but I am saying it's true. Um, you know, <laughs> that's how I feel about a lot of those things. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it depends on, as Dr. O says, who, who, what's your canon? Is it the 66 book Bible or is it the 72 book Bible that's still readily accepted in Ethiopia? You know, so it's like interesting, yeah. but yeah. And that's a whole nother topic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but to answer that question and not disappoint people, I can't, I can't sit here and specifically tell you the Lord has 100% said, and some of the things he has, I can't put out on air right now, but if you go biblically, you can see where Jesus said, you're gods. So he was telling those that he said, also, you're a den of vipers and that you're a brood of snakes and that you're the, your father is the devil. He's also saying that you're Elohim. Now, not all of Elohim is bad. I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not saying that just the word Elohim brings ne negative connotation. But what I am saying is that there was a class uh, of Elohim that had the offspring also. And there was some part of that class and their offspring both that went rogue, uh, rebellious, wicked, whatever. And because of the offspring that they created, we see that it says there were giants in those days and in the days after the flood. So we know that it didn't end there. You yeah. know, and then we could yeah. get into all sorts of people talking about alien abductions and different things. And I'm not 100% here to say that I stand on all of that, but I hold it loosely. I'm with you on that. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to discount it yeah. because I believe that a lot of it correlates to things that I have found scripturally that I believe in. So it's like, okay, there's yeah. probably. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen some good documentaries that were pretty compelling. And the thing is, that's the thing is, is, is. If we don't learn to learn, hold things loosely, and if we don't learn to live with uncertainty, we're going to drive ourselves crazy trying to find the absolute truth. Because yeah. uh, in this world that we live in, man, there's evidence for a lot of different stuff. And you sure. can take this position over here, and they're going to show you the evidence for that, and it's going to look pretty good, pretty compelling. Yeah. And then you look over yeah. here, and it's like they've got a different position, but it's pretty good, pretty compelling. That's right. And That's there's... Right. A hundred, if not thousands of those different positions on just one subject. So sure. we have to be comfortable again with our identity in him and who we are in him sure. and all this other stuff. We just continue to observe and let it bring the fruit, you know, that it, it actually is willing, you know, ready to produce. Absolutely. And by the fruit, we'll know what it is. There you go. That's right. hundred percent. And to be honest with you. To come to, I don't know why I even use that phrase. That, that's, that makes an assumption that I'm lying any other time I'm not saying that. I guess i got to get out of saying that. You know, well, this we'll, time I'm being honest. We're going to scratch the rest of the show because this yeah, is the yeah. part that he's being honest. Only only the few sentences where I began with, if I can be honest. Um, yeah. Uh, I, 
I had to become offended many, many times to get into realms that I now believe. You know, if I was talking to myself 15 years ago, I'd be like, this guy is whack. <laughs> He's pretty yeah. nuts, though, you know? Same thing. And here, I think yeah. that, as I was saying, a lot of people that are now where they're at that are in the same, I, I hate to say realm or circle or whatever, it creates a separation, but you get what I'm saying uh, of this, you know, understanding of things that are now like, let's, let's just continue to go for the deep stuff and trust that Yahweh can preserve us through it all, you know? Uh, the phrase that the Lord spoke to me one time was unlearning what you've learned. And, uh, you know, I realize that yeah. that's actually where we start to have the meat of our growing come from, yeah. uh, is the rubber meets the road when you unlearn what you've learned. If you, you know, like <clears throat> people taking these programs now and, and the, you know, realizing that they, they can eat a certain way or that they can meditate a certain way, that they can pray a certain way, you know, all these things are things that a long time ago was like, no, that's crazy. That's nuts. That's, you know what I mean? But now people are starting to learn that they're like, I can go on 40 day fasts. I can go on, you know, I, Kirby Delanerol like ate twice in, in a whole year one time, you know, and there's many other breath, breathinarians as they call themselves um, that have existed. There's people in uh, Catholic mysticism that have, yeah. uh, that ate communion once a day for like 40 50 years and that's how they live and it's like that's so taboo for a lot of people but then all of a sudden it starts to become real you know yeah. and so it is a whole lot of becoming offended to grow out of that offense and usually offense Good. means there's a, an awakening and awareness and a recognition that there's some truth there that i've decided to uh push out or that i need to let in um yeah. <laughs> and so yeah and and, and you know and, and i've had people well Go ahead. Well, I'm I'm just looking at our time, and we got sure. like maybe maybe five minutes, and I and before okay. we wrap up, I would like for people to know where can they find you or connect with you. Uh, you got, I think you said you have a YouTube channel. Um, what what do you have out there? Um, I have a Patreon page, and um, I have you know my Facebook um, page is where I, right at the moment I'm, I'm growing and expanding, so. Facebook, um, Luke Ag or Patreon. You can look me up through the same name as well. Um, and on my Facebook page, there's also the direct link to my Patreon. Um, on that Patreon page, um, I have two different tiers. One where I do live Q&A Zoom sessions and another where I just share um, where I have interviews or sessions with people or if I go somewhere <laughs> and minister um, or if I just want to make a little recording and share a teaching and just put it out there and say, I hope this blesses you. Um, so yeah, those would be some good avenues. Good, good. All right. Well, um, I've appreciated this time with you. Uh, I, again, I had not had any time to get to know you at all. Uh, you'd pop on and, and even when you would share on Sundays, usually it was just your name. It was like, a, we didn't even get to see your face. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, running around with three different kids and my wife and a fourth on the way or working <laughs> or um, looking like I don't want my face on camera, you know, looking down at the camera, look at this kind of things <laughs> usually. So I usually just keep my face off camera, but uh, yeah. No worries. All right. And then one last question. Sure. Why the, why the background of the fires? Oh man, our God is an all consuming fire, right? Yahweh yeah. is an all. I actually like the Passion Translation better. It says he's an all-consuming light, um, yeah. which is awesome. Hebrews twelve twenty six. But the the it just to me, you know, 
and going back through again over and over reading out of Deuteronomy and Exodus when it talks about him speaking out of the fire from off the mountain mm-hmm. I just get a little bit whacked and wrecked every time thinking about oh man that's why I was so important for them not to try to make an image of who he was because it was like you can't you can't you can't bind me into an image like he is so beyond you know and i don't know i just i've always loved the the, the look of fire based cool. on that so yeah thank you all right so i usually do a behind the scenes section you got time to okay. do that yeah all absolutely right. yeah. we'll we'll go into uh some of the the deeper stuff that uh <sighs> You weren't willing to share here. We'll go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go into that in the behind the scenes. So if you want to get into the behind the scenes, go to kingdomtalksmedia.com and uh, check it out there. Check out our website. You'll find uh, there's different options and, and a way to get into the behind the scenes. And uh, we look forward to seeing you there. All right, Luke. Bless you, man. You. Love you. Bless honor you. you. Thank, you. Thank yeah. you for this time. And we'll yeah. see you bless all you. next Love time. You Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you 